Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 139 of the podcast. It's the 26th of August, 2018, as I record this intro. This week, I've put together a new kind of episode. It's that creativity inspired by the constraint of putting an episode out every week. This was my nightmare the first couple years of the podcast, but now when a call falls through and there aren't any already recorded waiting to step in, I get the opportunity to ask myself, what would I like to share with you guys? What might help you on your unschooling journey? So that swirled for a little while and eventually connected with another observation that I'd had a while ago. The many thousands of words I've written in email replies to your questions over the last couple of years. See, these are your questions, and I suspect that for every person who actually emailed me, there are many others with similar questions in mind. So what I've done is gather some of the questions in my inbox, heavily summarized and anonymized them, and then generalized and sometimes added to my answers. It was a good chunk of editing and writing, but I love that. That's my jam. (laughs) So as you listen, even if a question is about an unfamiliar situation, like older kids or about younger kids, don't tune out. Listen and see if my answer makes sense to you. My wish with this episode is not so much about solving a particular problem, but about expanding your understanding of unschooling of how unschooling unfolds in our real lives. That said, you might find yourself in similar circumstances someday, and you'll already have some considered thoughts to help get you started. I do want to add that if you've emailed me in the last few months and haven't yet received a reply, please know that I read them all and I fully intend to answer. It can just sometimes take a while. You know, life and work and things. (laughs) And if this episode isn't your cup of tea, no worries. I have a number of calls set up over the next few weeks to build up my inventory. And next year, I'll remember that it can be a challenge to set up calls in the summer. Unschooling families are having fun doing all sorts of things, which of course is wonderful. Now, before we get started, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support my unschooling work through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patrons, Caroline Stoya and Donis Tejada. And I'm really sorry if I messed up your names. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Their generous support is vital to helping me freely share information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to support my unschooling work like this podcast on my website, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash exploring unschooling. 
And remember, if you have an unschooling aha moment you'd like to share, just go to the main podcast page on my website, livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast, and scroll down a little bit until you see the microphone. Then just click the start recording button. I would love to hear your stories. And now let's dive into our questions from the inbox episode. Okay, question number one. Their daughter left public school in grade two. She's now 15, and while she insists a high school diploma is necessary, she's having trouble with distance learning courses. The question was about ways to help her see that her future doesn't revolve around a diploma. Or do they let her experience the failure of not being able to achieve a diploma? So if she's up for it, I think connecting with other teen unschoolers might be really fun for her. She could see what other unschooling teens are up to, what they are pursuing, and that might help her explore why she might be thinking that a high school diploma is essential. So there are unschooling teen camps she may enjoy, like Not Back to School Camp or the East Tennessee Unschooled Summer Camp. They may not be close by to wherever you live, but we're we're in Canada, Ontario, and we've traveled to the U.S. lots of times to meet up with unschooling families at conferences and camps. My kids didn't go to these camps specifically, but I know of a number of unschooling teens who have enjoyed each of them. So share with her that these opportunities exist, and you guys can, either together or on your own, Check out the information on the websites, join the mailing list, check out feedback, um, share what you learn, and then give her the space to contemplate. Because even if she isn't interested for now, she knows about them now, and maybe she'll be interested next year or the year after that. There are also a couple of companies that organize trips for unschooling teens and young adults, and I've heard good things about both of them. So there's Project World School, which is run by an unschooling mom and son, Lainey and Miro. Um, Lainey was on the podcast, too. And there's Unschool Adventures, run by Blake Bowles. Now, none of these options are cheap, but they can definitely be life-changing. There's time to enjoy the planning process and to save up. On the podcast, we often mention the value of time. These kinds of questions don't need to be, and and they probably can't be, answered immediately. So explore the possibilities. Take a step in one direction and see what things look like from there. Then choose another step. I came across a quote the other day. It was on a productivity blog of all places. We become who we are and what we are by walking. We don't learn much about ourselves if we stand in one place, squinting into the distance, trying to see our end goal and the path to get there before we decide to set out, if we ever decide to set out. We become who we are and what we are by walking. You guys might want to try an unschooling conference. Many of them try to cater to the teens as well, having a place for them to hang out and some teen-focused activities. There's a conference list on the Unschooling Mom to Mom website that stays pretty up to date. And remember, there are links to all the things that I mentioned in the show notes. Okay, question number two. They have been unschooling for about three years now, and their eldest is nine. They worry they are failing her in some way because... 
Over that time, she's had a number of interests that lasted a few months and then fell by the wayside. Now she's deeply interested in playing Roblox, an online game, and while they see her learning a lot, they're feeling very disconnected from her. The other concern is that when she does express an interest in something, she doesn't follow through. An example they gave was her saying that she wants to make YouTube videos, so they bought her a camera, told her that when she was ready to ask if she needs any help, and the camera is still new and unused. So there were a couple of things that jumped out at me as I read the email. The way you describe your oldest daughter's Roblox play does seem disconnecting. It's not about giving them access to the game and then leaving them alone to play. Do you watch them play? Do you play with them? You mentioned having some conversations. If this is something they really enjoy, have lots of conversations with them. What is it that they love about the game? Make connections between the game and the things in the world and different things in the world. Uh, truly celebrate their Roblox joy and reflect their joy back to them. Let them see their joy in your eyes. Also, from how you describe your actions when your daughter expresses an interest, I see that disconnection there too. You buy the tools or supplies that she needs to accomplish her goal and then step back and wait for her to ask for help. The technical details of reaching a goal are really a small part of the overall process. What she really needs is your ongoing day-to-day -day connection and support as she explores the push and pull of pursuing an interest. So for example, when she expressed an interest in making YouTube videos, you bought her a camera, and that's great. But then you stepped back and waited. Her saying she isn't ready yet is a clue that there's a lot more going on for her than just how to use a camera. So maybe have lots of conversations about what kinds of videos she'd like to make. Brainstorm episode topics and channel names and set design. Ask about why she's not feeling quite ready yet. But do so curiously, not judgmentally. Is she nervous? About what specifically? Maybe offer up the idea of creating and uploading one short video to YouTube and keeping it private for her viewing only, just to see what it's like. Offer to do most of the background work for her now, for now anyway, so she can focus on what to do with the camera. So learn together how to do it all. Many times I've helped my kids try out an interest by doing lots of the supporting work for them, if that's what they wanted to do. Uh, we want to help them accomplish their goal, of course. So learning is not about insisting they do it all themselves. If their interest continues, eventually they do take over the various supporting tasks one by one until they're doing it all themselves, or they move on to something else. Unschooling is very hands-on and focused on building connections, trust, and strong relationships with our children. It's not just about giving them the physical tools they need to pursue their interests and stepping back until they ask for our help. It's about learning together alongside them, them learning about the topic and you learning more about why they're interested and how you can help them pursue it. The other thing to consider is that maybe they really aren't ready to take that next step. So think about yourself. Do you have things you're interested in doing yet you haven't taken that next step towards actually doing it yet? <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> 
For example, I'd love to have a veggie garden and fruit trees and another trail through the forest on our property and a bridge over the river. My family has heard me talking about these things for years, but none of them have happened yet. (laughs) Part of it is a time thing, right? Up to now, other things have priority. Part of it is a learning thing, needing to learn more about how to do it before I'm ready to get started. Part of it is teasing out whether I really want to commit to the time involved. I mean, if I could snap my fingers and make them happen, I would do that right now. (laughs) But I'm not a failure because I haven't followed through on these interests. What I am gaining is self-awareness. The realization that I have interests and dreams for which I'm not yet ready to put in the effort. They continue to incubate, to swirl in my subconscious. Maybe they'll come to fruition someday. Maybe they'll connect to a different project that will also accomplish whatever it is that I'm seeking to satisfy. These ideas may just be an internal stepping stone to something else I have yet to discover. And it's all okay. We learn so much about ourselves through the choices we make, whether those choices are to move ahead with something or to not. The cool thing is, with our connected and trusting relationships with our children, we have conversations about the things they're thinking about. They share their thoughts with us, often before they've fully chosen which direction to take. And that choice is often about taking a step toward it and seeing how it looks. How cool is the connection to the first question? A question about connecting unschooling teens and a question about a nine-year-old seemingly not following through in her on her interests. We become who we are and what we are by walking. Expressing an interest in creating YouTube videos was a step in that direction. Getting the camera was another step forward. Two steps on, she's learned a little bit more about herself. She looks around and has decided, for now, to step in another direction. We've also talked recently on the podcast about our own de-schooling around the idea of, quote, being productive. Around the topic of our children's interests, it can be helpful to ask ourselves if we're expecting some kind of output, some kind of proof of their learning. Do we notice we're more apt to quickly respond to our children's needs when there's a measurable outcome in sight? That's just such a great question to ask ourselves. There are so many aspects to the most seemingly simple questions because through the lens of unschooling, we see how everything is connected. Okay, question number three. This family with three children ages one, three, and five are just getting started with homeschooling as their eldest reaches school age. Both parents work full time but have flexible hours. They are keen to unschool, but are also contemplating enrolling their eldest in two or three after-school classes per week due to their work commitments. The idea would be free and easy mornings with mom with some scheduled two to three hour classes or activities several times a week for the eldest. The kids would also be with a nanny whenever both parents are at work. So the question was if this would negatively impact the children's natural learning tendencies and interfere with interest-based learning. And then having asked that, she wondered if this would still be called unschooling and does the label matter? 
So regarding the after-school classes, I think the important thing is that your son is happy with the arrangements. It's the choice that's key. If they don't have a choice, that can undermine your relationship and keep it based in power, the adult's power to insist a child do something. With unschooling, we're looking to develop different relationships with our children, steeped not in power, but in connection and trust. So the answer really is to look to your child and have conversations with him. Would he like to go? And later on, if he does go, is it working for him? If not, maybe brainstorm some other possibilities. Can he stay with the nanny too when you're both working? You can explain to the nanny that your goal is for her or him to have fun with the kids. That's it. Or maybe there's another kind of supervised activity around the same time that he would also enjoy or enjoy instead. <laughs> Either way, see yourself as your child's partner. Rather than seeing your goal as having to convince him to follow your after-school classes plan, work together to find a plan that you're both excited about it. If he likes your idea about some after-school classes, that's great. If not, there are other possibilities to explore. As for calling it unschooling, I think the label that really matters is your life. <laughs> unschooling can look quite different between different families, though I think one of the common threads is choice. One of the negative aspects of school is its compulsory nature, so try not to bring that into your days. I think if the unschooling lifestyle resonates with you, keep reading and engaging with unschoolers to learn more as you move toward being the person and parent that you want to be, because that journey is never done. Okay, question four. New to the ideas of attachment parenting and unschooling, this mom and dad would really like to try to truly unschool for the next year, but they have reservations about unlimited screen time, they don't have a TV and only recently uh, got smartphones and a tablet, uh, less structured behavior systems. Right now they do stickers for good behavior, which earns the kids small prizes and timeouts for bad behavior, uh, no defined bedtimes and, and things like that. Dad is also very concerned about the girls not getting more structured teaching about math and reading and writing. The concept of trusting their kids to learn for themselves is a foreign idea, but also a fascinating one. They like that unschooling is focused on relationships, but letting go of control is scary for them. They want to know, do most families let go of one area of control at a time, or do most families dive right in? Is that what de-schooling is for, letting go little by little? Do families sometimes start down the unschooling path and then realize it's not for them? Is that hard on the kids? And she noted, as I had said in a recent podcast, de-schooling really is for the parents, not the kids. She said their kids could dive in headfirst and never look back. <laughs> now, I completely understand how the thought of releasing control is scary. You don't yet have a good feel for what you'll be replacing it with. So all you can really imagine is a chaotic free-for-all. I mean, I remember when I was first reading online about unschooling and I read some of the ideas and I thought, well, we won't be doing that bit. But I kept reading, I kept learning. And then a few months later, um, I noticed that I uh, better understood the principles behind those choices and it began to make sense to me. And I began making those same choices. 
So yes, I think step by step makes the most sense. Uh, you mentioned this deschooling period, and it can take parents at least a year, often more, to work through the bulk of it. Now, in my book, Free to Learn, I talk about the five most valuable paradigm shifts around learning and parenting that I made in that first year or so, and I think that might be really helpful to read. Uh, <clears throat> and truthfully, deschooling doesn't end. Over the years, we continue to run into pockets of conventional beliefs that we haven't yet had a reason to examine to see if they make sense to us. All that said, I think being curious and open-minded are your most important tools right now as you weave together your growing intellectual understanding of unschooling and your experience as you watch your children in action. It's so beautiful. So keep reading and listening and exploring and playing and have fun. Okay, question number five. This mom reached out because her 14-year-old daughter, who mostly grew up in the school system, wasn't feeling accomplished being homeschooled. She got made fun of, she wants a real graduation, and maybe she wants time away from her younger siblings, who are four, five, and seven. So she chose to go back to school, and mom's heart was so heavy. Long story short, unsurprisingly to mom, school is taking over her daughter's life. Mom explained that she had an IEP before because of her head injury, but this time she doesn't want one, and her grades are going down. That's meant more, harder work, staying after school, going in early, more practice, more, more, more of the things that she will never use later on in life, and it makes her mom sad. She's told her daughter that she'd find more things for her to do that she loves, but it's harder than she thought. Everyone seems to require 16 years of age or so. So she wants to know what can she do to help her daughter better ease her own mind and maybe somehow bring her daughter back home. And I hear your concerns, absolutely. Yet, as you say, this is her choice for now. I think you can most help her find what she's trying to get out of the experience by fully supporting her, not trying to keep pulling her back home. She knows she's welcome to come home again. If you keep trying to convince her, it's likely she'll start to feel resistant just because you're taking that choice out of her hands, meaning it will feel like she's choosing to leave school to please you, not because it's what she feels is right for her. So in her head, she may well feel or hear, I told you so, even though I'm sure you're not saying that or wouldn't say that. That's how she can feel when we start to put too much pressure on one particular choice. You might find some helpful nuggets in podcast episode 32 uh, when I spoke with Alex Polakowski about her experience when her daughter chose to go to school. So help your daughter with school as much as she'd like, while at the same time, don't get pulled into the whole schooling ethos. You don't need to care about grades or homework. Be that example to her. If she cares about grades, ask her how she'd like you to help. Alex and I talk about that in the episode as well. And meanwhile... Outside of school, do the fun things that bring her joy. Focus on those things. Surprise her with those things. Make her life as joyful as possible, as full of choices as possible. 
Now, I remember that time when they're looking to do more in the world and those age restrictions come into play, particularly with my daughter, Lissy. We talked about that quite a bit. So one suggestion I have is to not take those restrictions as set in stone. Call and talk to them about it. Describe your particular situation, your child's passion for the topic, their maturity, their excitement to be more deeply involved. Uh, Learn more about what they may need help with. Mention volunteering or mentoring. If it's a legal or safety issue, offer to go with your daughter and be the adult with her, taking responsibility for her safety. Some places will work with you and some won't, but it's always worth asking. Doing all we can think of inside and outside the box to help our children pursue their goals and desires is the heart of unschooling. Okay, question number six. This question was really a really interesting one about the contradictions that the mom is seeing. She has a four-year-old son and an 18-month-old daughter. She's been reading my books this past year and chatting with an unschooling friend. Her four-year-old currently goes to junior kindergarten three mornings a week, and she's been trying to bring unschooling principles into her parenting. But in doing so, she's found she's developed contradictions in the way she parents. So one is, she wants to give her toddler freedom. How is this possible when they still need so much help physically and when they themselves don't understand risk? So the example she shared, in the winter, the kids hate getting snowsuits on, yet she wants to make sure that they are dressed for the climate. If they go tobogganing without snowsuits and they quickly get wet and they're far from home, then she has two children melting down because they're cold. Is it possible to protect our children from known dangers in the unschooling paradigm while allowing them to take risks? Another contradiction she she sees, getting in the car seat to go places. Often she lets her 18-month-old play around in the car until she's happy to go in her car seat. Sometimes, depending on the circumstances, there isn't time for that and she ends up forcing her upset toddler into the car seat. This is not giving her freedom. Her four-year-old has an intense personality and seems to need to be in control all of the time. In rarely saying no, she feels that her son can no longer tolerate any no. She explains that she knows it's not possible, it's not supposed to be an us-versus-them mentality, yet it is an asymmetrical relationship between parents and children. We have more life experience. We are here to protect them and guide them. We are not equals in that sense. Don't they need us to be confident in this role of one who can guide and protect them and be in control? She wants to better understand unschooling so she can decide whether it's something she truly wants to dive into or let go of. She wants to be a better parent, and to do that, she wants to see the path more clearly. Now, I think that is a great question, so let's dive in. Instead of thinking about unschooling as giving our children freedom, it might help to think of it as giving them choices. So basically, the freedom to choose. That helps us realize there are lots of times when they aren't interested in making a choice. They just want us to give them something to eat or to help them get dressed, right? Um, There's only so many choices that we want to make in a day, adults included, Um, And sometimes we just want to move forward with that one thing. 
Another thing is, as she said, we have more choices in the world. While they want to explore the world and make choices like whether or not to wear a hat, that needn't be a cut and dried question with a yes or no answer. And often it shouldn't be. There's not much learning in that. So we can add our experience to the discussion, like saying, it's really cold out. I think you might get uncomfortable without a hat. And if they still don't want to put one on, we can bring one with us because we anticipate that they may well change their mind once they're out. I'll put your hat in the bag to bring with us in case you change your mind. Boom. If you're outside and you see their ears turning red, mention it. Your ears are turning red. That means they're getting cold. I'll go get your hat for you. There's no need to even interrupt their play. You could just put the hat on them. If a certain hat is itchy or uncomfortable, take them hat shopping to find one that is comfortable. Or if they don't like shopping, pick up a couple to bring home and try. Or check out a thrift store for some that are nicely worn in. There's so many possibilities. Unschooling principles are not about giving them freedom to do whatever, like choose to not wear a hat, and then leaving them alone to experience or suffer the consequences until they're back home. We want to be living with them to help them revisit their choices as new information comes along, like, ooh, I'm feeling cold or wet, ooh, my ears are red, or white fingers. Again, we're more experienced, so sometimes we can anticipate the way things may play out and be prepared, like having a change of clothes or having a a snowsuit, if we think they're going to get wet. Um, Coats, hats, mittens, if we think they might be getting cold. Uh, Snacks for hunger, uh, toys for something else to do. It means that if they get uncomfortable or we notice a clue and share our observation, we have just the thing to solve the problem in the moment. Over time, they come to trust us more deeply, learning that we are pretty good at anticipating their needs and noticing things that may go awry. It's another deeper shift into living together rather than us and them. And as many unschooling parents have discovered, the kids get really good at recognizing and anticipating our needs as well through experience, through seeing us do it for them. We're doing it for those that we love. I do that for my husband and my kids. And over the years, everybody's gotten good at doing it for each other. For the car seat example, in the toddler years, it's not really about unschooling at all, right? But parenting choices. So as with attachment parenting, it's about your relationship with your child. Ending up in a situation where your only option is to insist your child get in their car seat is not an unschooling failure. Sometimes we end up in situations with other people where we have no other choices left. And in those cases, we can apologize for ending up there. Later, we can think through what happened and try to come up with other options for next time. If we notice this seems to be happening regularly, that's a good clue that we need to try change something up. Try different things and see what happens. All the while, we're learning what does and doesn't work, and the child is gaining experience with the situation. And getting older. (laughs) She won't be 18 months forever. Now, in your email you wrote... I feel like a contradiction to my kids on one day telling them they can wear whatever they want and on another day putting my foot down and insisting they wear winter boots. I think this might be the crux of your challenge. 
Unschooling isn't about, quote, do whatever they want. It's dependent on the situation. So choosing shorts and a t-shirt for an inside day makes sense. Not wearing winter boots when you're going out to play in 12 inches of snow does not make sense. I don't see the contradiction. So it may be in the way you're thinking about things and talking with your children. I don't think I've ever said, do whatever you want. That seems like I don't care what they do. I do care. I may have said, what would you like to wear today? Leaving it open-ended if it truly didn't matter. Or maybe it was, we might bring out the paints today, so why don't we find an old t-shirt for you to wear? More often, I think, I just put some clothes on them when they were young because they didn't much care what they were wearing. They were too busy playing. (laughs) Bring the circumstances into the conversations so that things don't seem so arbitrary. So the different clothes on different days don't feel like a contradiction. Same with your son saying yes or no to his request and saying yes or no to his requests. So explain the reason behind your answer so that it doesn't feel arbitrary and out of control to him. So conversations, connections, the parenting shift away from us versus them means being on the same team. It's not really about being equal at all. It's about us being on the same team. We share our experience, yet we don't expect them to come to the same conclusions as we do because they aren't the same person we are. They are doing their own learning. And we bring ourselves to our days. We're cognizant of our own needs, yet we value their needs as much as our own. Maybe there's that equal piece that that you're stretching for. We recognize that young ones have lots of physical needs. But from there, we try to weave our days together to meet everyone's needs and wishes as best we can. Many and most days aren't perfect, but they're honest. And that brings to mind a social media post I saw this morning. It was posted by an upcoming guest, actually, that I'm very much looking forward to chatting with. She posted a picture of her kids on the swings, and she wrote, It's not easy being two. It ain't easy being six. Sometimes, some days just do not flow the way you hope every day would. But these are the days when seeing the beauty in the moments really helps. Today, I found myself saying many times, I'm so grateful for blank. And this picture was one of those times. I was grateful for the moment of joy these two had swinging next to each other. It was simple, it was sweet, and it was beautiful after their challenging day together. And that's it for now. Wishing you and your family all the best as you dive into your unschooling days. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the third book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Life Through the Lens of Unschooling. This book is a wide array of essays drawn from my blog that shed light on the day-to-day lives of unschooling families. You'll find essays tackling everything from learning to read to visiting relatives, all organized around nine keywords that have been woven into the fabric of our unschooling lives. Deschooling, learning, days, parenting, relationships, family, lifestyle, unconventional, and perspective. The theme is life, the lens, unschooling. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.